Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back to Closening. I'm Jesse Conweiler, your girl. We are in episode five, episode Cinco. That is all the languages I know, but we're back. We're ready to go. I'm so excited for today's episode. Um, wait, I got to have a little more coffee. I'm so excited for today's episode. So what's going on in my life? Okay. So I went to go get tested this week for Corona because I love the mayor and he was like, get tested. And I was like trying to be a good citizen. And I was like, okay. And I was like, I'm going to get tested for Corona. Like, I'm kind of curious if I have it. I want to be a good citizen. My neighbor always tells me that I have silent carrier energy. So I was like, okay, like maybe I do have it and I don't know. Um, It'll be like a fun little outing. So I booked my appointment. I like told everyone how great I am that I'm going. I get to Dodger Stadium. The line was so long. (laughs) And I realized it wasn't even, I thought for some reason that it was like also the antibody test, which is two, obviously most people are very aware that it's two separate things. I just like, you know, totally blanked. And so I was like, okay, well I could like get it tomorrow. Anyway, I'm just trying to justify to you people that I left. I left because the line was too long to get tested for Corona and I needed to get to Trader Joe's before it closed. So I am not proud of this. Uh, I had to tell everyone my shame and I guess I'm sharing it with you as well. I did call my mommy and I said, is it okay if I leave this line because I'm 35 and I still need her approval? Um, but yeah, so I guess if you have symptoms, go, and then the rest of us can just wait a beat, um, you know, for the antibody test to come out. It was a nice drive though. I love, I love, uh, Dodger Stadium, Elysian Park. So I also noticed this week, like, like everybody, like I'm just completely living my life online. It's like one day and one day I had like, I had a meeting Then I was hanging out with my nieces they were rollerblading. Then I was doing meditation. Then I had a pitch. Then I had a birthday celebration. I had therapy. I had dance class. I had happy hour. I tried to have Zoom sex. You know, I am living my entire life in a rectangle and it's fucking with me. I'm I'm normally beyond self-obsessed. And this was like, I am gazing at myself because even if you're looking at other people, it's like, come on, we're all looking at ourselves I'm st- I started like obsessing like do I have a double chin like checking you can't see it but right now I'm like doing turtle face and I'm like do I have a double chin so I hid myself view and it was a it it really changed everything I was actually started paying attention to what people were saying um so hide the self view people amazing tool um, but I did, I did hit a point where I did hit a wall and I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a, t- a tech detox this weekend, which it fe- it's easier to do when you can like go out in the world and see people, but it's, it's, I feel like it's really necessary. So I'm going to not do my phone screen, anything. I ordered a fucking book, like on paper, no Netflix. Um, you know, I'm just going to ride my bike, chill, turn it all off for a second. And, you know, this is a very privileged thing that I can do right? That I can just turn off the world at my will. Um, and that's something that we're going to talk about in the episode today is really finding that line between taking care of yourself and having full-blown apathy. You know, how much to tune in 
um, and how much to, you know, drop into yourself. So how do you guys find that line? How do you ride that line? Um, so the guest today we have is Dina Rosenfeld and I'd never met Dina before this podcast. And now I cannot imagine my life pre Dina. She's a brilliant professor at NYU. She teaches social work. Her husband is a doctor, you know, apartment on the Upper West Side next to Zabar's. So she's really in the front lines of Corona. She's really up in the shit. And she's one of those people that she doesn't have to be a good person. She doesn't have to care about other people, but she does. So, you know, she's the daughter of Holocaust survivors, and we really get into how much does fate, I mean, how much fate is such a big part of life, how much, you know, how much dumb luck really goes into it, and how scary that is to admit, because it's really admitting how little control that we have. So, you know, like the fact that you found this podcast and you get to listen to me every week, this is proof that miracles happen, people. So let's get into it. Here's Dina. Hello. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Yeah, listen, sorry about that. You know, my husband and I are not in real isolation from each other, but semi, so he had to wipe down the phone before giving it to me. Oh, all good. Uh, That was smart. That was smart. Um, I was like, that's either her husband, assistant, or both. Uh, all of that. <laughs> yeah, not only because, you know, he's, uh, he's an MD who's going to the hospital. Oh. And until he, until he stops going, which I'm hoping is another week, then, um, you know, I figure if we're going to get it, we should get it at different times so we could take care of each other. Right. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's, it's, it's a staggering, um, fearful sort of thing to whatever, but uh, here we are. And all a week before Passover. How great is that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I was like, this feels very, this feels eerily uh, way too biblical. You know, the big plague, the big plague coming at us. Yep. Yep. So what can we what can we learn? I'm trying to think like, you know, uh, I mean, I got to get a husband first, but I'm trying to think how I'm going to describe this to my kids. No, well, you know, that's one of the things I really am suggesting, and especially since you're somebody who is a writer and a, and a collector of stories, uh, you know, I've really been suggesting to all my students to really keep a journal of what's going on for them, because this is epic. Uh, you know, this is way beyond September 11th. It's way beyond all the other things in terms of, and we don't know what we're going to look like at the other end of it if, for those of us who make it. And so as a result, I think it would be really important, and it's also grounding to, to sort of write things down in terms of how things are changing and how things are, you know, what, what's happening around us. I think it's, it's just helpful. I, I feel like super, um, I mean, I always feel like a drama queen, um, but I feel super, <laughs> super dramatic right now. Like uh, one day I'm like, the flowers are so beautiful and life is so precious. And then I'm like, wait, I'm like, this is doom. And it's really... They're both correct. I mean, I think, you know, and, and that's why in some ways it's a very Jewish existential way to be because, you know, at the same time that you are celebrating, uh, you know, uh, getting married, you're breaking a glass to remember the destruction of Jerusalem, you know? Like, seriously, who else comes up with this kind of shit? You know, so, <laughs> so I mean, so this is like truly very, you know, it's a very Jewish existential plight, you know, like we're dying, we're dying, but like, boy, that potato kugel is really good, yeah. you know? 
I don't want to feel guilty for also feeling happy because I feel like it's necessary. Absolutely. I mean, I go, just so you should know, I mean, I go every day to Central Park for, for an hour and a half. You know, I try to go very early so I can keep some social distancing. And what I see, I mean, it just makes me so happy and so centered. I mean, today it was raining and I still went. I said, look, the flowers are there. The, you know, the birds are there. They don't care that it's raining. Then I don't care either. And I think... Um I, I want to go back to what you said. I mean, it, it's it's an interesting thing to think about. Like, this is not like nine eleven, and we've never been through anything. Is there anything that you've been through personally that you feel like is helping you cope in some some subconscious way, even? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll be absolutely honest with you. You know, I was I was um, raised by a widowed mother uh, who went through the Holocaust and concentration camps and lost her entire family and her daughter and her first husband. And then uh, when my when she married my father, he died when I was uh, when I was five because he was also a very broken man with having had three kids who were killed and a wife who was killed. So this is like unbelievably heavy, right? Very, very, very intense. Um, and um, you know, then we traveled from country to country because I was born in Romania, and then we went to Israel, and then we came here. And so there was a lot of dislocation, a lot of poverty, a lot of all of that. So here's the, the uptake in terms of what did I live through that helps me with this is, and this is so not helpful to most people, I just think that I have a resilient personality and I never assumed life was going to be terrible because of all these things. I always assumed that life was going to be good after all of these things. So that is purely, it's not because I'm doing anything right. Or it's not because I have something, you know, it's, it's, I think it's inborn. Do you think it, it came from your mother at all, though? Like that? She... I don't know. I mean, yes, a little bit. But you know, I, I've done a lot of work on on sort of Holocaust survivors and their children, and their you know, and in terms of the long term, and I'm teaching a course on that at at NYU. Uh, you know, and it varies. Every Holocaust survivor, every child of Holocaust survivor, has taken away very, very different lessons and very different sort of trauma histories. Um, depending on who they are. And also if they've had just the good fortune to have a good life, which is has been my situation. You know, I mean, the only thing I would like is more of it. But other than that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm not sure whether anything necessarily gets you ready because I think so much, and unfortunately, look, I mean, as a social work professor, it's very frustrating to think that so many things are inborn. Mm. You know, mm. because we would like to believe that everybody, you know, can change and you go into therapy and this kind of therapy, that kind of therapy. And yeah, sure, it helps. I'm not saying that it doesn't. But we're all born with stuff that mm. we take for the rest of our lives. Interestingly enough, in terms of what you were saying before, one of the articles I said to my students, uh, there was an article, I think, in the forward um, about uh, how surveying uh, Holocaust survivors in the area and how they're doing with uh, the, the virus coming, the virus coming. And uh, actually, they were doing amazingly well. So it wasn't like compounded trauma. It's like they said, yeah, 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 you know, we've been through worse, and, mm. you know, it's mm. like it's, it's going to pass over. It was sort of surprisingly in the other direction. Mm. I mean, do you think that that your life will be different after this? Without question. 
Whatever. Everybody's will be, just in different ways. But, you know, I mean, unfortunately, as with everything, and this is where you know, you're going to hear the social worker in me, is that, um, you know, one of the many things is that, you know, sort of misery is not equally distributed. So after this, you know, people who are privileged are going to continue to be significantly more privileged, and the people who are at the bottom are going to be really, really at the bottom. Mm. Uh, you know, because as I tell my students, you know, bad things happen in clusters, you know, so if you have no money, then you have poor mental health, and then you have poor health, and then you don't have housing, and then the kids get taken away uh, because you can't take care of them, and it goes on, and then you turn to drugs. So, you know, all I'm saying is that there's going to be, I mean, except for getting the virus and some people being very sick and some people dying, um, you know, that obviously if Prince Charles can, can be affected, then anybody could be. Um, you know, on the other hand, I mean, I think in the aftermath, uh, the misery is going to be great. Uh, but we have no idea of what's gonna, how, we, how long this is going to go and how much destruction it's going to do in its path. Yeah. So, I mean, your life seems amazing, you know, and coming from like the daughter of a Holocaust survivor and now you have your, you know, incredible career, doctor, husband, Central Park apartment, shall I go on? Uh, Riverside Drive. Riverside, oh, please. Oh, oh you're in the slum. <laughs> you're in the slums. Um, no, so you're so close to Zabar's. What do you mean? Come on. Um, Around the corner. Around oh, my corner. God, please. Uh, so what what role d does luck – you spoke about fate and luck, and I don't think people want to think – I think we do live in this world where it's like pick yourself by, by your bootstraps and make yeah. it happen. And what, what do you think about luck and fate? Well, I – um, in some ways, I don't want to use fate as much because, uh, you know, I've read so much literature where people talked about the fact that they were saved from the Holocaust and this, that, or the other because of the, the role of fate and their belief in God, and I hate that. You know, it's like the, the reason that anybody got saved from the Holocaust, it was dumb luck. You know, and so I hate people taking credit for something that they didn't do. And so I guess I'm really trying to, to explain the same here where I don't feel I did anything special. You know, it was just like good luck. It was, all, you know, and, and like, you know, why does somebody get cancer? Why does somebody get uh, this virus in such a way where it's like a light, um, you know, a light cough and, uh, and fever and somebody else dies? It's dumb luck. And it's so hard to come to grips with. You know, because we would like to, you know, have at all times, we would like to have causation. We would like to be given credit, you know. I mean, I, when I used to do psychosocial histories, uh, you know, for adoption and, and, and whatever, and people would always say to me, you know, my parent died really young, but you know why? It's because uh, he smoked or he died young because he didn't really take care of himself. And I kept thinking, oh, my God, you really think that you're going to control this, don't you? Mm. <laughs> If you only do the right thing, if you only get enough education, if you only sit in the right place, if you only wear enough gloves, if you, you know, and on and on and on. And so that's the hard part, you know, and, and if you're unfortunate enough for, for this virus to get you, and, you know, I truly feel that, you know, my husband and I have a good chance of getting it. We're old, you know, we've been around a lot of people. Um, you know, and then so the question of whether we make it or not, it's dumb luck. It's not any kind of credit to you, you know, to sort of who you are. 
So that's, that's the very hard part, because the question is not, why me? But the question is, why not me? It's not like there's anything special that I shouldn't get it or I shouldn't die from it. It's, you know what I mean? I've made, I, I make a lot of dates with myself, because you know, I told you I'd take these long walks in Central Park, and um, I'll, I'll send you one of my ruminations to my friends uh, from last week. You know, and so my ruminations are about like, you know, how fabulous to see you know, a cardinal and a red robin and, and, and these flowers blooming and so on. And they don't seem to know that the world is upside down, you know. And then my Friday morning ruminations was just an appreciation for the institutions that have been built in the city. Because around Central Park, I passed the Jewish Museum, the Metropolitan Museum, Guggenheim. And, you know, those were the days that the, that the robber barons uh, actually created institutions versus taking ugly buildings and putting their names on it, um, which you know who I'm referring to. Um, so, you know, just like an appreciation for all these things. And I keep telling all these institutions, I'm going to come back here. That makes me cry. <laughs> yeah, with a vengeance. It's saying I'm going to come back with a vengeance if I can. I'm going to I'm going to kiss the floor of the library for sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, all of us have our favorite one. I even pass when I come out of uh, Central Park. I pass a store which I've never been into because I thought it was so completely frivolous. But there's this like really cute silk kimono, you know, sort of nightdress. And I said, if this store survives, and if I survive, I'm coming back for you. You know, <laughs> so like you're making dates as. If dates could exist, that's uh, so. That's both the sentimental and the imaginary, and really life affirming. I mean, it's life affirming to make a date. You know, to make a date with the Metropolitan Museum, and to make a date with, um, you know, with uh, the park, and to make a date with a, a nice Japanese uh, jacket. Because you know, those are the kinds of things that I think are helping now. Uh, you know, not the usual, not the overly intellectualized. Which no, man, give me oh, Mary sister. Oliver. Give me Mary Oliver. Like shoot it in my veins like heroin. That's what I need. Yeah, no, totally. And 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 we need people like you. I mean, I think that that um, you know, I mean, I, I don't have to tell you because you're you're the professional at this. But uh, being a storyteller and being able to connect to people's both intellect and emotions at the same time is just enormously, you know, helpful. Well, thank you. It's it's nice, you know. I'm an insecure artist, so I need validation, you know, every other minute. But also, every everyone does. It, it, it's also especially in times like these, you know, it's really hard to, you know, feel like does this fucking matter? What? Who cares about really, my art? It really, really, you know? really matters. It really matters because you know all the rest of us are looking for for people like you who are going to tell stories and who are trying to make meaning and who are trying to connect people. Because the ultimately, you know, like we're talking about social distancing, you know, and it's always interesting with my students, once again, social work therapy, yada, yada, is that, you know, we're not, we're not talking, we're talking about, uh, about, about physical social distancing, but the, the actual connections are more needed than ever, ever. You know, and, and the truth is that uh, you don't get social connections by reading hard facts. You get social connections by stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. This was so awesome. I feel like you're like the Jewish Bobby Gandhi. Oh, that's so nice of you. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely. It was my it was my pleasure. It was the same to you. Same okay. to you. And remember, we are going to be celebrating your wedding and I'm gonna bake and my daughter is gonna do all the Etsy for you. I can't wait. Now you gotta get him to ask me first, but 
Listen, that's a small, that's just a small. Besides the point. Besides the point. Exactly. (laughs) Mmm. Ah, like Xanax for the soul, that Dina. I really admire Dina. She's so level-headed and practical. Like, she doesn't pussyfoot around the fact that, like, yeah, she could die. But she also allows herself to go on walks and just, like, weep at the library and flowers. You know, it really reminds me to seek out situations that lead to unexpected moments of grace, shifts in consciousness, forgetting the shelf, you know, (laughs) forgetting the shelf, forgetting the shelf in your mind, forgetting the self. Um, That's how much I don't want to forget myself. I can't even say it. So, you know, I don't know. To me, it's like having those moments of grace is just that little peak, that little window in your mind that's like, it doesn't have to be like this. It's not always going to be doom, right? Um, And I I just, from my personal experience, like, I can't control, like, now I will feel happy. Now I will feel grateful. But I can create the conditions for peace, like planting the soil, watering it. And I really hope that... um, taking this tech break this weekend, you know, which I'm going to be so annoying about is going to help me do that. You know, I'm going to be doing it for 24 hours. You guys will be hearing about it for a month. So there you go. Welcome back to Rabbi Jesse's Corner. Um, You know, millions of you have written in, keep going on the Rabbi Jesse. So here we are, you know, I'm here to please. So this week I want to talk about morality and ethics and is morality relative, right? Everybody thinks they're right. So I promise this is not going to be boring. I know it sounds boring already, but it's going to be chill. Um, So, you know, the people that are partying on the beaches right now, they think they're right. The men and women marching in Washington with their guns protesting, they think they're right. Um, The people who think that if you get sick or you have pre-existing conditions, it's your fault, that health is a moral issue, that a rich life is more valuable than a poor one. Um, They think they're right. And these people would never say it out loud, but that's what their actions tell us every day. So I really want to look at what does it mean to be a good person? Because everyone thinks they're good. 45, he thinks he's good. My ex thinks he's a good person. Hitler thought he was a good person. Okay, you get the point. Only going to mention Hitler once on the show. That's what we're going to do for you. Um, so instead of consulting the Torah, I really wanted to look at some at what some great Jewish, current Jewish thinkers had to say about this. So Martha Nussbaum, she's a professor of, you know, if you can't tell from her last name, she's a Jew. She's a professor of law and philosophy at the University of Chicago. She's published 24 books, 509 papers, received 57 honorary degrees, and she's a Jew. She was raised as a wasp, but she's a converted Jew. She got bought mitzvahed in 2008. I'm not sure what her theme is, but I will get on that. Um, so I went down a, a nest bomb rabbit hole. She's like, what I love about her is like, like the smartest people that I know, she keeps it very simple. So here's what she had to say about being a good person. To be a good human being is to have a kind of openness to the world, an ability to trust uncertain things beyond your own control that can lead you to be very shattered in very extreme circumstances for which you were not to blame. That says something very important about the condition of the ethical life, that it is based on a trust in the uncertain and an and a willingness to be exposed. It is based on being more like a plant than a jewel, something rather fragile, but whose very particular beauty is inseparable from that fragility. I mean, slow clap. 
Be willing to be the plant, to show up, to get hurt, to feel it all. When something devastating is happening, just it's going to hurt like hell. It doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. But I think to be brave enough to fall apart, to me, that's that's the holy grail. To to not be productive, but to value deep empathy and how hard it is to be alive. That's how we live. The, you know, that's how we thrive. How much more can I rhyme? That was a deep dive. My my rap name in college was Star of David. I'll just leave that there. Next week on our season finale, have I got a guest for you people. Okay, we are speaking to Lillian, a booby, a retired boss bitch from Dallas. She's a Libra. She was in a 17-year 17-year relationship that ended right before corona. And we discuss how it is physically possible that her ex has not texted her yet. Not even a, are you okay? So, okay, my little plants. Thank you for being with me. I will see you next week. Have a great week. Bye. Closening is hosted and produced by me, Jesse Conweiler. You can find me on Instagram at jesse underscore Conweiler or email me at jesse at jesseconweiler.com. Closening is a production of Reboot Studios. The show's executive producers are David Katznelson and Noam Dromi. Audio engineering by Jonathan London. To learn more about Reboot, you can visit www.rebooters.net.